Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics right here on Blog Talk Radio. minutes with a plate and her mask uh, took some food and then left and uh, so we talked to people on the phone uh, and wish them a happy Thanksgiving and on Facebook how about you guys happy yeah so yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure who was going first uh, so we actually I have my, my usual pod which is my son my daughter-in-law my granddaughter and my daughter and mm-hmm. we did like a brunch so the same thing, we kind of, everybody kept their little pods together and uh, had a little meal, and it was really not very, totally new normal, I think, and it's actually kind of nice. It was yes, really it was. Quiet. <laughs> I agree. Very quiet. I agree, small little uh, group of people, too. It was just uh, four of us, and it was the most relaxing Thanksgiving dinner I think I've ever had. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I would agree with that also, 100%. All right, awesome. Oh, Jerry's here. 
So Hello. I will I will hand you your show. I'll be here in case you need me for anything. And uh, uh, welcome everybody. Thank you, Hercules. Thanks for having us, Hercules. All You're right. welcome. Okay, so, hey, everybody. Uh, it's Nancy um, here with Alumni in Recovery with Kathy, and Jerome Jerry is going to be our speaker. Uh, we'll have, he'll be speaking in about, um, oh, in just about 15 minutes. Um, but uh, Kathy and I, who are um, – Good friends, and we're so grateful that we've gotten the chance to get to know each other. I know I can speak for myself, but I know Kathy kind of, her and I, we've just gotten to be um, such good friends and recovering friends, recovering, you know, uh, we've both been in recovery for um, quite a while now, right, Kath? And very true, yes. I know, but, you know, we met because, and you know, we've shared this before on this show. This is our, I think this is our is this our third time, Kathy? I think it is our third time, yes. It is our third time. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, we're three in already. I know. Gosh. But um, but Kathy and I, you know, met through Alumni in Recovery, you know, and for anybody that's new to um, our show on, um, uh, the you know, on Hercules Station, um, we have... Uh, Alumni in Recovery is an organization of um, young people in recovery and people in recovery, but young people that go into schools that they are familiar with to speak about the um, pathway to addiction and, um, the, you, know, the, you know, the root causes uh, that, that could possibly have, you know, triggered us off into that pathway, uh, things to look for, talking to the kids so they can identify. And then it's grown. You know, we've got um, parents that um, have lost their loved ones, their kids to addiction, and um, they're part of our program too. We've got a sibling piece that uh, have lost brothers and sisters to uh, addiction deaths. And, um, you know, so between, and, and the community. So people that just want to make a difference and speak openly about, you know, the pathway of addiction, and um, we're all just volunteers, and uh, that kind of leads us to, the, you know, Kathy and I pick a topic um, before we go on to talk about, and, and what's so cool is because we're in 12-step recovery, both of us, you know, we've spent, you know, the, the two of us, you know, we're, we're both about, 30, you know, 30 years um, sober, and we spent a lot of time in um, 12-step meetings uh, talking about um, topics like, Da, 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 gratitude <laughs> and that is the topic because it's thanksgiving time and believe it or so not in 12, <laughs> right and in 12-step recovery rooms um you know we talk about around thanksgiving gratitude is a big topic you know and um but isn't that cool that we can all come together and have a topic such as gratitude you know and um so so you know i think that the most the thing that kind of strikes me the most, and this is a great phrase that, you know, uh, I don't know if it was made up in, in 12-step recovery, but it's an attitude of gratitude. And uh, mm-hmm. I love talking about that because, you know, um, I, you know, I, I'm in recovery for alcoholism addiction, but I love the word alcoholism. If you break it down, it's alcoholism. And they used the people in the rooms, you know, say, I seek misery, ism. I seek misery. And the disease process of addiction is kind of one that, you know, we, 
we, you know, unfortunately, it's got such a negative mindset, you know, and there's a lot of de- depression and anxiety behind a lot of, you know, the feelings and the thoughts, you know. And um, so, you know, it's, um, I heard it said a long time ago, and I love this, you know, well, if, you know, 12-step recovery is about brainwashing, well, that's okay because my brain needs washing, you know. Mm, and I love absolutely. that. Right? <laughs> I know. So. Right. So, so the thing is, is what, what I love is that they're just like whenever I was like having some stinking thinking, you know, the I seek misery piece, or, you know, whenever I get into these like states or these, these feelings, which I, you know, I still can get into feelings. And, you know, and I can't go douse it with alcohol or drugs, you know, so I have to like mm-hmm. move through the feeling. And one of the things I like best, and Kathy, maybe you agree with me, is make a list of what I'm grateful for. Mm-hmm. A, a gratitude Absolutely. list. Mm-hmm. Like, how many times have you made a gratitude list in your life? I think I've made tons of them. I, 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 I think I live it on a daily basis. You know, I, I think you get to a place now where you're just so grateful to wake up. You're, you know, I'm grateful that my body still moves the way it's supposed to. There's just so many simple things for gratitude for me today. <laughs> mm-hmm. The little things, because like. Just for example, I'm going to tell on Kathy right now. She just moved everybody. <laughs> she has lived in the same house for over 20 years. She had been a single mom, worked full-time job, you know, raised her two kids. Uh, I think you put them both through college. Yep. Yep. Amen. And, Thank God. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And she just sold her house when, Kathy? I just sold it on uh, Wednesday. <laughs> Wednesday was I mean, the closing. Hello. And I'm so grateful. (laughs) There you go. I mean, you know, and and see, but there's some people, and you know, and I get it. And it's not just some people. It was me. You know, oh, my God, this is so hard. Oh, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, and I didn't get this and didn't get that. And this person treated me bad and that person treated me bad. And how dare they? How dare they? Like all these different, like, types of thinking that can happen. But, I mean, listen Mm -hmm. to Kathy. She's, like, just grateful she woke up this morning. Hello. Yeah, well, keep it simple, right? Isn't that really what we complicate the crap out of everything, don't we? So, and totally. I listen to a lot of, uh, a lot, and you know, I think everything comes back to that, uh, the simplest of gratitudes. You know what I mean? Like, how much you can't really have joy without gratitude, can you? I mean, I, I just think that everything in my life that's good comes from that word. Noticing the little things, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, you know, this, like for me, you know, I've always been a nature lover, but, but for me, like there's nothing better if I can go outside, just put yeah. the air in my lungs and just like, look at the, the wet leaves. I mean, just little things, guy, when the, when the clouds start parting and you get that blast of sunlight that just hits the trees ever so perfectly or and Mm -hmm. uh you know like a certain bird that flies over your head i mean it's just little things just little things and you know and 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 what's so cool is if i practice gratitude and and you know and noticing what i can be grateful for and there's so many i mean i can't get over i mean i'm just so grateful that like you know i got to have uh, a dinner in a warm house yeah, I guess yeah. I get the freedom of choice. My goodness, that I can turn my thinking around any time because I don't have 
because I'm not like dependent on substances in any way. And, mm-hmm. and that I can wake up. I love this one because we do this a lot in sobriety. I woke up sober today, you know, mm-hmm. and for somebody like me, that's, you know, I mean, I might've been sober for, you know, 31 years. doesn't matter. You know, it's just for one day. Right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Right. I and totally then, agree. Okay. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. So here's one. And then it comes down to being mindful, prayer and meditation. And I don't think I can emphasize that enough. And it is one of the 12 steps, you know, is because prayer and meditation go hand in hand. Prayer is like thought, you know, it's like, you know, talking, but it's thought. It starts with thought. So there goes back to the attitude, you know, what is my thought processes like, you know, are they, they in a form of creating a, a grateful type of outpouring or, you know, so, so I, I really believe that prayer has a lot to do with good thought, you know, and then, but meditation helps me get there because if I can get still enough, I can, you know, pause my thinking. I can I practice the stillness. I can actually get to a place where I can turn my mind around, you know, quicker. So, I mean, it's just really important that I, you know, utilize those tools to keep that attitude of gratitude, um, you know, and that's just something I was thinking of. But, all right, before mm-hmm. we go on too long, because Jerry's going to speak in a minute, the other thing is is about gratitude as an action word. And I really believe that, you know, it's like it's just giving back. And I really believe that mm-hmm. alumni in recovery is a vehicle for all sorts of people to be able to give back to the community, you know, and that's what we're doing right here. And I, and, and, and it's a really about helping others gratitude and being of service. And, right. and then, you know, the coolest thing is volunteering actually activates a reward system in our brain. It's, you know, that volunteer, you know what I mean? Service I do. and being mm-hmm. help somebody else actually increases the serotonin in our brain. It is, it's a proven fact, you know? So, so that's a beautiful thing for somebody like me, you know, to be able to be in a, in a place of uh, peace and comfort just because I've been able to help somebody else. And it does work. I mean, I, I totally, I, I love being able to be helpful to others. I think that's a really true statement. I think that um, I watch a lot of like, um, I, Joyce Meyer is like my biggest, I, I love her. And, and one of the things that she says all the time is when you need to get out of yourself, go help someone else. And it just changes the whole way that you process, you know, and that's really the truth. I mean, you just, all you have to do is do something for someone else and your whole day has changed. That's really true. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, Irene, we so we have like this hour show and I'd love it if like Jerry who's doing an active service right now by sharing his story with us, which I thank him for that. And uh we could ask him questions later. Which mm-hmm. I'm hoping we can do. So, um yeah. So what do you think, Cass? Should we should we introduce Jerry? You have anything else to add before we start? No, I think we definitely should. Mm. All right, Jerome. Yes. Hello. <laughs> hello, hello. 
Thanks for being with us. Absolutely, of course. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. <laughs> How long have I known you? Uh, seven years at this point. Six or seven, I think. You're right. It's it's totally yeah. it's been six. It's been six years. I really have known you since just uh, since October uh, six years ago. You're absolutely right. It's crazy how fast time goes. Well, I'm grateful that you came into uh, my uh, my circle, the, the alumni in recovery program. You wanted to help others, and that's exactly why you got involved. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So, <laughs> once again, thanks for having me. Like I said, my name is Nancy. Loves to call me Jerome, but everybody calls me Jerry, so you can call me Jerome or Jerry, no problem. Um, I was. Uh, Born and raised in northern Bergen County. I grew up in a town called Wycliffe Lake, and, you know, I had a pretty good life besides the fact that my uh, my parents were divorced. My father left when I was four or five. No, I'm sorry, five or six, excuse me, and uh, disappeared. He vanished, um, keeping it with addiction. Uh, the gene of addiction definitely passed through me. My father was a very bad alcoholic and addict. And on my mother's side, there was a bunch of alcoholism with like my great uncles. So growing up, I always felt a little less than primarily because of that. I mean, Father's Day always sucked, career day, et cetera. And I couldn't find my own, my own place or my own spot. And obviously the way that I'm speaking now is hindsight because back then I just, thought that, you know, I um I wasn't good looking enough or my teeth weren't white enough, my hair wasn't thick enough, etc. So growing up was always different. I was always in I was never in a circle of people. I kind of stayed on the outskirts of a bunch of different groups and you know, I never felt like the puzzle fit. However, like around eighth grade, give or take, uh, I got introduced to weed. And I'll never forget the first time I smoked, all of a sudden, the, my mind stopped racing. I thought everything was fine. I was this chubby kid, and all of a sudden, I thought I had a six-pack. And everything was just okay. Everything was good. And at the time, I thought I was just getting high, but it was, it was a lot more than that. It was, it, was, it was far more depth to it mentally. So... After that, no matter any opportunity that I had to smoke, excuse me, any opportunity that I had to smoke weed, I did, and it didn't matter when, how, or why. And that was pretty much that was the beginning of me ultimately getting to heroin. So eighth grade came and went. That was fun. Then I went to high school. Um, high school was a it was a very interesting time to say the least. Uh, I played football at St. Joe's, et cetera, and things were okay. However, I always wanted to get out of my own head, always, and I never could get out of my own head. I remember having a bunch of a bunch of nights where I wouldn't be able to sleep because my mind was like a pinball in between in between the bumpers of a pinball machine, bouncing back and forth with everything under the sun, whether it be why did I know the answer to that question or how come I said that or how did I miss that play? How come that guy, uh, that girl looked at me differently? Ooh, this, that, and the other. It was horrendous. 
So around sophomore year, I got introduced to uh, painkillers, Roxy's, Roxy thir- uh, at the time, I'm sorry, uh, Oxycontin 80s were still around. And, um, you know, I tried it, I snorted it. And the reason why I went straight to snorting it compared to um, taking it orally was that when I was younger, I remember vividly that my father came to visit, which was once every eight months, nine months, sometimes a couple of years, stairs into the kitchen. My mother was at work and my father has crushed up pill on the counter and I walked right into the kitchen exactly and it was in the process of snorting it and I didn't know what he was doing and I asked him I was like dad what, what are you doing and he said oh it's uh the med- it makes the medication work faster for my back I'm like okay and when I tried a painkiller I'm like hey I want to make this stuff work faster uh so I snorted it and I thought issues that made weed look like nothing and unfortunately to me that was the beginning of the end very quickly um i was getting painkillers every chance i could um i'm very fortunate that i come from an affluent family however at the time it was kind of my kryptonite because i always had cash and i was always given cash so i was always able to get whatever I wanted within reason, of course. So high school came, high, high school progressed. I was a two-year starter at the end. Everything was, everything was fine on that front, but I was really getting bad with the painkillers. And junior year of high school, I got arrested for having, no, I'm sorry, senior year of high school, I was my first arrest for having three-quarters of an ounce of weed in my truck. So that was also the beginning of the end of my multiple arrests thereafter. So with the painkillers, with me not knowing what else I could do, with me not knowing what else I could do, I just always went back to that. So high school finally ended, and I went to college. And college was a free-for-all. I I went up to the University of Vermont, and Burlington, Vermont, chewed me up and spit me out. During this time, I tried heroin, and heroin became everything. And throughout this process, it was becoming more and more apparent that my family knew what was going on, or they knew that I was off, that there was something up, and I was starting to get, if you will, like a scarlet letter. And my cousins were keeping their distance whenever I walked into my grandmother's house when I came back from college. I wasn't allowed to go in there without somebody being there at the same time. It was just a weird, weird, awful place. It ultimately got to the point where keeping with topic of gratitude, etc., I wasn't grateful for anything. Meanwhile, I had every opportunity under the sun. I didn't have to apply for a loan for college. My family could pay for it outright. I didn't have to worry about putting food on the table when I was there. I didn't have to have a job when I was in college, et cetera. And I just threw it all away. And I thought that my life was over. Finally, failed out of multiple colleges, et cetera. And when my friends started graduating, all of a sudden I'm still doing the same thing. And I'm working on a crew in construction, making 15 bucks an hour 
and not learning anything, just in essence in a dead-end job. I went to a rehab that didn't do it for me, and before I went to that rehab, I'll never forget my mother and I got into a fight about something, and all of a sudden she grabs me by the shoulders crying, saying, what happened to my son? Give me my son back. And when I looked in the mirror, I didn't recognize who I was. I just thought I was a six-foot-one stack of crap, period. <laughs> it was awful. There was no question. I had no spirituality. I had no gratitude. I had nothing. I thought everything was just black and gray, period. So moving forward, happy note, I finally went to rehab, and I finally I was ready to go because the last time that I went to rehab, right before that happened, I was coming out of New York City. I met a couple of friends, and I was drinking, drank too much, blacked out, was driving out of New York City, and I crashed into a retaining wall, a median, a big concrete barrier where Route 17 and Route 4 meet, and I hit this wall going about 65, and I wasn't wearing a seatbelt. I totaled the truck. By the grace of God, nothing happened. However... Um, I got a DUI. And before that, I had a little bit of time, not much. It was kind of dry. It was a dry time. It wasn't sobriety at all. And I had to go to Newbridge at the time. It was called Bergen Regional for my blood alcohol level to get lower, low enough for them to release me. And where Newbridge is, there's a road called Pascack Road. And to get to my house, it's just a straight shot down Pascack for about five miles, give or take. And I walked it at around 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. And every time a truck drove by, it was honestly the only time in my life ever that I contemplated suicide. I thought that I was in this this prison of drugs and alcohol, and I was never going to get out of it, and my life was never going to get better. And every time a delivery truck drove by, whether it be a box truck or an 18-wheeler, I contemplated jumping in front of it. I finally went home, and my mother was not happy by any stretch of the imagination and it was the first time truly that I was defeated and she called me everything under the sun rightfully so All the, and I never argued one bit the next morning I was in the car went to rehab for the last time I was finally ready I was finally broken I was at my rock bottom I needed a new way to live so after I was done with rehab I went to a I actually I moved up to Boston, started my sobriety up there, got away from the drama down here. Even though geographic changes aren't the cure for me, it, it helped a little bit. And I went to meetings and got a sponsor and was developing my spirituality. And I believe in a higher power. I choose to call him God, and you know developed a relationship. And life got really, really good, really, really quick. I was happy. I looked in the mirror, and I was confident in what I saw. Um, I could hold a conversation with anybody. It didn't matter. I was very comfortable with myself, and it was fantastic. I was very grateful to live and to move forward, quite frankly. And during that time, there's a saying that, you know, if you walk five miles into the woods, how many miles does it take to walk in? Five miles. In theory, so if I'm lying, cheating, and stealing for five years, how many years is it going to take for me to get my trust back, get trust back in some people? In theory, five years with some people, I'll never get it back. 
But fortunately for me, with my family, I got it back for the most part pretty quickly. And I was, I felt welcomed when I walked into my grandmother's home. I felt welcomed when I came home to my mother's house, when I come back from Boston to visit. Everything was okay. Everything was good. And I kept on maintaining a program, and life was great. So my sobriety date was June 2nd, 2015. And during the five years or just shy of five years of sobriety that I had, um, pardon me, just out of the five years of sobriety that I had, life was amazing. I left Boston, came back home, started a construction company, uh, flipped the house, bought a power washing company, met the woman of my dreams, my wife. Uh, she knew me in college and knew what I was. Thought I was sober. She gave me another shot, and we just celebrated a year, our first year wedding anniversary, and it was great. However, process, I stopped going to meetings. I wasn't as active as I should have been. Didn't speak to my sponsor as much. Didn't pray as much. I was losing some of my spirituality ground, if you will. And uh, I ended up uh, relapsing. And I relapsed a week, just shy of a week of our of my wedding. And my wife was the one who found me. Uh, thank God she did. Uh, I was down in our apartment. I was driving home. I had a very, very bad day. And all of a sudden, it felt like a good idea to it felt like a good idea to pick up a bag of heroin, just one bag. And I uh, went through, got it, went home, didn't do it that night. The next morning, got up. I was I was shooting heroin. I was using needles. I shot up the one bag in the morning when I was in my car, and I fell out. I, I overdosed, and the car was in gear, and I sideswiped my neighbor's car uh, just by letting my foot off the brake, and a person walking on the sidewalk saw this and called 911. My wife came down, and they had the Narcan to get me back, get me, for me to come back. That was most likely one of the hardest days I've ever had to deal with because I thought my wife was leaving me, rightfully so. She, in my opinion, she should have. I'm very, very grateful and undeserving of her staying. And uh, I threw away everything. I did get charged with a DUI. And in my line of work, without my license, I'm out of work. I don't go to an office. I drive a truck and go from house to house, and I got to do my proposals, et cetera. So fortunately, went through the process. My wife ended up marrying me anyway. My mother didn't completely lose all faith in me at all. She was very supportive. I have some relatives that are that have been in AA for a combined of 40 years or just about, and they were very supportive and helped me through. And, you know, I got back on track. And this go-around, I've been far more – I haven't had the horse blinders on. I've been far more grateful. I've been much closer to a sponsor. I've been 
making sure that every morning when I wake up, I shoot a prayer up to the big guy, making sure that during the day I'll, I'll speak to him. The way my relationship is with my higher power, I don't have, I don't get on my knees and look up and cross my hands and, you know, say, dear Lord, I, I talk to him like he's a friend. You know, I'll just, I'll be in the car and if somebody's driving alongside me, they probably think I'm nuts because I'm just talking away. I'll thank God for Bluetooth. So maybe they think I'm just on the phone, but you know, it's, that's just how it is. And I just shoot out questions and ask for some signs and all that jazz. So thank God. I had a second chance or a third chance or a fifth chance, however you want to look at it with the type of, or my hundredth chance, however you want to look at it with the type of drugs that I was doing and also the way I was using them. So now we're here today and I celebrated a year, August, I'm sorry, no, October 4th. And Uh the big guy gave me a, gave me another blessing when I went in for court for the charge of my DUI, it would have been my second one. And I would have lost my license for two years somehow or another. And I don't know how, um, when they took blood at the hospital, they, they tested it. Nothing came back. No opiate, fentanyl, any type of benzodiazepine, nothing. And it was very bizarre, but somehow nothing came back. And instead of me getting charged with my second DUI, I got charged with the reckless driving. So I only lost my license for 90 days. And I, it saved me because I, I wouldn't, I'd be out of business. There'd be nothing I could do. So the big guy looked out for me and I'm here now. And just every day is a blessing and I'm doing everything in my power to make sure that I don't forget that because the beauty of sobriety is that you get things back. Most importantly, you get your your self-confidence back, and you do everything you can to keep your ego deflated. And things get good, and people look at you differently, and you have faith in yourself. And if it wasn't for the rooms and my higher power, none of that would have happened. I didn't do it. It was the help of everybody else and my higher power, period. But unfortunately, sometimes, and it happens numerous, it happens to countless people, when life gets really, really good, you start thinking that you did it yourself. And that's when things start going south. And that's what happened to me, and I'm doing everything I can to make sure that I, I don't do that again. And, you know, life's good. Life's for the living. I mean, there's no point of sitting on the couch and staying – staying stagnant. I mean, life's a gift and we have a limited time here and you got to make the best of it. The drugs were the way to make the best of it. Drugs were the total opposite. It made the worst of it. And I'm just so happy and grateful and thankful that I'm here. And the way Nancy and I, Nancy and I have met at meetings. However, it was very funny. I was coming back home from Boston after being up there for a year and she called me by accident. (laughs) <laughs> I called her back and she goes, Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, Jerry, I haven't spoken to you, et cetera. She goes, Hey, I'm doing alumni recovery. And if it wasn't for that mistake, I probably would have got into it anyway, obviously down the road. But if it wasn't for that butt dial or accident of calling this, this Jerry instead of a different Jerry, 
Things may have been different. I don't know. But it, it was a gift and a blessing. So, you know, that's that's my story. Whenever we're in schools, whenever I speak of schools, I never tell the the kids don't do drugs because it's the same thing when you tell somebody not to look down, they're going to look down. I always tell them after hearing what happened to me and happened to countless other people, why risk it? Because you don't know until it's too late. You just have no idea. Everybody else knows, but you don't. So, yeah, I mean, now I... I pray that I'll, I'll never have the thought of, or I know I'll never actually follow through with saying screw it because uh, it could take me so quickly. So my name is Jerry. Thanks for letting me share. And I hope you guys got something out of it. Thanks, Jerry. I'm sure there's somebody there for sure. I always get something out of what you say, but definitely that's the most beautiful thing about somebody sharing from their heart and their story is that there's always something that we can identify with within it. You know, I just loved it. So thank you. Thank you. Hey, um, so life is a gift. And I just want to, can I just want to say really quick, that was so cool that you mentioned that I, I believe, you know, the, the beautiful thing is, you know, like how they always say when you, um, it's like a Sanskrit writing, you know, just for today, do something nice for somebody, but don't get found out. You know, that line, don't get found out, but yes. do something nice, but don't, but don't like announce it. Well, what's kind of, of cool course. is that kind of cool is like, you know, like God's anonymity and in, in everything, you know, like when there's a coincidence or something really wild, like you just mentioned about how, and this is how alumni and recovery works. And I know Kathy would agree with this. But one of the cool things about, like, Jerry, like, was, he was with us for just, like, a, like a couple of days, you know, when we first started out. And then we didn't, you know, you got busy with the boss or whatever, and I didn't talk to you for, like, a year. And I remember that Woodcliffe Lake, which was the middle school that I don't, you know, you were from Woodcliffe Lake, you know, um, was looking for a speaker. And I was like, oh, I, you know, I've got to get some speakers. I was, and wouldn't you know it, I accidentally called the wrong Jerry. And, <laughs> and Jerry called me back. And I'm like, Jerry, you're from Wishcliffe Lake. And that's how it happened. So Jerry got to do the actual thing that alumni recovery is designed to do exactly when it was time to do it. And that's how Jerry appeared in alumni recovery. And, you know, and, and I love that little coincidence thing. That's awesome. Yes, it is. No question. Kathy. Yes, ma'am. Hey, hey. Hey, so I was just listening. Jerry, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, and, you know, just to, to the point of gratitude, you know, how blessed are we, all of us, for having a 12-step program that teaches us and gives these tools to us and how we choose to use them and whether we fail at them is our own stuff. And, but yet at the same time, how lucky and blessed and grateful we should be, you know, I mean, I, I listened to your story and I, I have to tell you just quickly, the one thing that always stands out for me when somebody shares their story and I swear, I don't know, maybe it's in my head, but I feel like everyone starts a story by saying, you know, I just didn't feel like I fit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I always, I always swear that that's like the, uh, 
that's the line I feel like, you know, and that's my thing with um, when you go and you share in these schools to these young people being a young person yourself, I think that that's what they need to hear What is the not fitting part. Cause I think it's like at that moment, like the alumni and recovery thing is so valuable in that moment. And you're there to be in that moment with these young people to say, you know, that you didn't fit and they're sitting there probably not feeling like they fit. You know what I mean? I, I don't know, that's just, that's kind of, right. It just stood out to me. It's like this, this thing like, you know, because I remember not fitting. I'm old now, and I still remember not fitting. And I can't imagine how valuable it is for you to stand in front of those kids as a young person and say, I didn't fit either, you know. And I don't know. To me, that's just like, whoa. It, just, it kind of blows, it blows me over a bit, you know. Yeah, no, that point that you were bringing up about speaking to the kids, it's it's very interesting and very cool to see when you're standing up talking to them. You have like the tough guys and all that jazz where nobody cares, et cetera. And I was definitely one of those individuals as a student. And when you start talking about not fitting in or the mind racing and weed calmed it down, et cetera, you start seeing some eyes kind of widening a little bit, looking back and forth mm-hmm. to make sure nobody noticed them reacting. And it's, it's pretty cool to see because you know, we've definitely helped a, a good amount of kids, and we were blessed with a story of an individual, after hearing us, dropped out, went to rehab because of it, and he really related 100% with everything, and then he got his GED, and now he's doing great. Isn't that great? That's awesome. It's one of That's many it. examples. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's those moments. Like, I don't know. I say to Nancy all the time, I don't know. I I don't know if I would have. I, I'm like, I hear what you're saying. I might have been that one that was stoned in the back of the auditorium, you know. I don't know. Right. But I, I, I know enough to. What? I, me too. What, Nancy? <laughs> yeah. I said, right? But at least too. I know enough that the information is valuable. That's the piece, you know, and, and, and hearing it from someone that's more on a peer level is, is just such a valuable thing because of that, you know, because you can identify with someone that's closer to your own age than somebody coming, you know, like myself saying, oh, yeah, I remember when, and they're like, oh, sure, Grandma, you know, that kind of thing. So that's why alumni and recovery is such an important thing to bring to these young people. So that's my point with that. And how grateful I am to know that it's out there because I have young people in my life that need to be told that and need to hear these stories as well, you know. I totally agree. And, you know, and just to continue that, I think that, and Jerry was saying it, like just it's kind of like there's that line in, in you know, in meetings, in 12-step recovery that, you know, we're only as sick as our secrets, right? Well, those secrets start at a young age, you know, that whole shame-based thing, you know, that whole shame-based thing that um, happens from a young age. And, you know, because, you know, it's just, you know, we think that everything's all because of us. Because when mm-hmm. you're a little kid, you know, you're, when your brain's all starting to, you know, um, learn how to, you know, function, it's very self-centered. It's just the way little kids are. So everything's your fault, you know. And then you start getting to be a teenager, and um, then all the hormones are kicking in, and we're supposed to be, like, 
you know, trying to, like, learn how to, you know, relate in middle school, which is a whole new school and all that. And, and sure enough, you know, like, I felt like I, you know, like you said, not, like Jerry said, never felt like he, you know, like he was a piece of the puzzle, you know. And so mm-hmm. when, when somebody says that and they're kind of young and they look, when anybody reveals that, we think that, you know, we, we think that people have it all put together because they look good. You know? mm. And so somebody comes in and they, they, they're looking good. You know, they got, a, they got their lives looking like it's well fit and put together. And they're giving you the story that you can I say, oh, my goodness, you felt that I feel that way right now. So I feel that way sometimes. Or just mm-hmm. even, the, you know, the idea that, like he says, my, my mind was like a pinball machine at night, you know, and I would be, you know, my mind, you know, like, oh, really, your mind races too? It's just such mm-hmm. a relief for somebody else is experiencing that, right? For sure. Totally agree and then, with that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so, so here we are in recovery. And in recovery after, you know, recovery is a daily process for all of us. It's not just something that you can just put down, you know, the alcohol and drugs, you know, no more substances, total abstinence, and then go along your merry life. Some people can. I'm not saying everybody can't. But like somebody, but like what I have found very valuable is that, you know, working through 12-step recovery, like I was able to, you know, utilize, you know, the mental, physical, spiritual realm. The spiritual realm is this daily process. And I love, like, okay, so Jerry always says that, you know, now he, now he goes to bed and sleeps like a baby. Right, Jerry? He always says that. And the thing is, is that for me, like, and I know that you feel this way too, Kathy, it's like I really try to keep my side of the street clean in life. Mm-hmm. So if there's something that I've done during the day that I'm not satisfied with anymore in life, and, you know, and I'm, I don't have to worry about, like, major wreckage of my past, you know, because I've, I've been trying to keep my side of the street clean a while. I mean, something's <laughs> come up. But, but the point being is that I love the line in our literature that, you know, in, in well, in 12-step recovery, AA literature, it says, you know, there's this 10-step inventory, you know, and one of the lines in it, they said, you know, what do I owe somebody an apology? You know, um, have I, you know, done something that, you know, have I been kind and loving toward all? You know, what could I have done better? But my favorite line is, have, you know, have I, you know, was, have I been packing it into the stream of life? You know, and mm. I love that because I really believe that my life is so much better because I, I have been doing, you know, I mean, better when I do that. I just feel mm-hmm. better about life. What about I you, totally Matt? I agree I totally agree with what you're saying, Matt. <laughs> I do. I think that you know it's really hard. I think in the in the beginning of recovery, being grateful is hard. <laughs> just because it's just so hard to go through the motions of getting sober and dealing with the past wreckage and feeling good about yourself and and, you know, so, I mean, I, I, listen, I guess, you know, when you hear people say that, you know, today's a gift and 
you know, you have that early moment pink cloud and you love being sober and it feels great. And then, you know, life settles in and sometimes it's difficult. I think, you know, at, at the end of the day, there is just, there's just got to be gratitude for the day. You know what I mean? It's like you said about mindfulness. Mindfulness is, I think, a little bit difficult in the beginning, at least for me, I would think it would be, because yeah, it's well, something that, um, you know, you need a little bit of a, a little better understanding of it. And it's, I think it's a hard concept, um, you know, in the beginning, but I think that um, they just, putting your head on a pillow and not having gotten high has got to be the greatest amount of gratitude. I mean, at least for me, it was, it was, wow, I made it through today. I might have even had to have gone to bed early <laughs> just to have made it through that day. But um, mm. I did, you know, and I did it for enough 24th that they added up. And, and then, you know, your, your, your stinking thinking starts to change and all kinds of things. And it's all, and I, oh, and I really think it has a lot to do with all the tools that we learn, you know, I don't think that we go into this 12-step program um, with any tools, but yet we've learned so much from it that there's so much gratitude in just that, you know, there's steps there for a reason and, and you take them uh, in order, right? They, you, you take your steps mm-hmm. in That's order, right. It's, right? So it's all a process. And I think that, um, and I think, you know, I, so I think sometimes, like you said, it's the simplest things Like we, we talk, we, when we talk about stuff that are, listen, it's simple. It's a simple bird outside the window, you know, that, you know, brings joy. Like you said, you look up in the sky and it's a beautiful sunny day through the trees. And, you know, those are the things now, but in the beginning, I think it was just, okay, God, just give me that. Just give me today, you know, give me today. (laughs) You know, there's one thing about Jerry's story that, you know, I'm, I really think can never be under overemphasized enough. And, and Jerry, when Jerry talks about when he relapsed that one time, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it was one time and, and, and he, you know, and it was an overdose and, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's the thing. And, and this, we live in a day and age where, you know, opiates, are just they're so dangerous to, yeah. to, to and because once it you one begins because if you've been sober and clean a while and and you do relapse it can be one time and you yeah. over you know the tolerance mm. is just or you know I mean you never know what you're getting now you get fentanyl in it. Well, it's really, really can't emphasize that enough. What this day and age, it's so, it's so important to be talking often about, you know, what we can do to help other people, you know, consider putting a substance in them. You know, yeah. where is this going to? Is it worth it? Can we can we get through a feeling without it? You know, I mean, just. So important. Um, Jerry, are you there? I'm afraid Jerry might not be here with us. What do you think, Kathy? <laughs> I think he may not be. Hold on. Hello? There he is. Oh, there oh. we go. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, no, I don't know why. I My phone's saying that I have good service. Aw, it's okay. But I bet I bet it's time to wrap it up, probably. Can I read one little quick thing, really, really quick? 
It's just a nice little quote on gratitude. Okay. Okay. So I'm bring it. All right. Hey, Jerry, thanks for coming on. We saw Kathy and me today, by the way. Yeah. Oh, thank you, right. Jerry. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Gratitude. Here we go. This is awesome. Gratitude is the healthiest of all human emotions. The more you express gratitude for what you have, the more likely you will have even more to express gratitude for. Yay. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Hercules. I'm here, and I'm very grateful yeah. to all of you for being so open and for uh, sharing and caring and uh, um, helping others to heal and find their way. Um, I would actually like to do a special episode uh, on the alumni in recovery. I'll contact you about that um, in uh, personal messenger or email uh, after the show. Uh, but you guys do great work, and I'm very honored that uh, you're part of my station. We're Thank you so too. much, Hercules. We have enough Thank time you. for everybody to share their uh, contact information if they'd like and to announce any upcoming events that you have. I know you re- you just had one uh, recently. Yeah, we, well, right now, do we have... We have no besides we're we're speaking for the Boy Scouts on the Zoom meeting, um, but you know we're we're in the process of um, creating some really cool uh, fundraisers through the high schools awesome. that where they get money for pizza for the new recovery support center, the recovery peer support center at Bergen Newbridge, and that's just really an awesome thing for you know the mm-hmm. kids in the school. Mm-hmm be able to organize that, you know, to support, you know, people in early recoveries efforts. I, I, I applaud them for that. So that's really cool thing. But other than that, we um, just have our website. If anybody's ever interested in getting involved, you don't have to be sober. I mean, you don't have to be in recovery. You don't have to, you know, be uh, someone that's lost somebody, but you can just be somebody that cares and wants to get involved. And our, right. um, you know, our, our website is www.aluminiinrecovery.org. And all of our information's there. Please, you know, get involved. It's good stuff. It is awesome stuff. And, uh, Jerry, do you have anything you'd like to add? Any thoughts you'd like to leave with people who uh, um, you welcomed into your life and uh, conveyed your story to? Yeah, the only thing I'll say, if there's any parents out there with kids who are in adolescence, et cetera, that the idea of not my backyard or not my child um, Mm -hmm. is pretty ignorant today, quite frankly. And the only reason being is that a lot of the higher-end, quote-unquote, higher-end drugs and lower-end drugs are in the towns that have a little bit of money, a little bit like middle class, upper middle class, et cetera. So, you know, it, it's, it's everywhere, and there's no boundaries. There's no border from it. It's, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. So if you think there's something going on, try to address it. Because my mother, you know, having a raising by herself, she was very – she was concerned, but at the same time she didn't think that it was. And, and then until it was right there, black and white, and she was slapped with reality – she kind of, she uh, co-signed me, you know, she, she coddled me and 
it was probably the worst thing that she could have done, but she was doing it out of love. She, I was her, I'm her only son. Thank you so very much to all of you. Um, again, I'm very grateful that you're here, and uh, um, I'm uh, awed by your work, and I'm, uh, I'm awed that you're devoting time and energy toward the situation. Thank you very much. Thanks, Hercules. Thank have a great night. Thanks, Hercules. Bye. You too. Thanks Take care. Bye bye. And thanks to everyone who joined us from home. Uh, until next time, this is all of us wishing all of you uh, joyous journeys and amazing adventures. Uh, we're going to finish with the song called Evolve. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. 
Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.